city of Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. He was writing a letter to his friends. What was really amazing is the whole time he's writing this letter, he is sitting in prison. Yep. He, he's been thrown into prison for preaching about Jesus. And so the Roman Empire has thrown him in prison. But you think he's sad and like feeling sorry for himself the whole time? No, that's not the way he is. No, he is so happy and joyful. Even sitting in prison, he doesn't have anything to do but write this letter. He doesn't have any toys. He doesn't have like amazing snacks or anything. But he is happy. Yeah. He's full of joy because because uh, he knows God's taking care of him, and he knows that the, the gospel is still going out to the world. That's right. Amen. So we're going to start in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. Everybody there? Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again. Rejoice. Paul loves rejoicing so much, he says it twice. Rejoice. Okay? I think it's a good word. Let's all say it. On the count, I'm going to go one, two, three, and we're all going to say rejoice together, okay? Let's hear it, kids. One, two, three. Rejoice! rejoice! Okay, I think we can do even better. You ready? Okay. One, two, three. Rejoice! rejoice! It's hard to say rejoice when you have popcorn in your mouth. That's true. That's a little tired. So this is Paul. He's, he's chained up in prison, and, and his jailers think, oh, yeah, that'll teach him. And he's in there yelling out, rejoice! Rejoice! It's this rejoicing is this consistent theme throughout the book of Philippians that we've been, we've been looking at. Um, and it's this idea that we can live in relentless joy no matter what's going on around us. Even when tough things are happening, uh, life, you know, life is real. Challenges are real. Not to diminish those things. Things that we face are real. But you know what? Paul shows us that those circumstances, as real as they are, those circumstances don't have to silence our ability to rejoice. And that's because we have something to rejoice about, right? Amen? Those of us who know Jesus, we have something that's over and above our problems, that's greater than any issue or anything that tries to defeat us or get us down, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the reason we rejoice. He's the reason for our joy. He's the reason. So we have the God of the universe on our side. You ever think about that when you're walking around in your day? I have the God of the universe is on my side. Wow. That's a pretty good feeling. That's a powerful thought. That's a powerful feeling, right? He loves us, and he's promised to take care of us no matter what. He's promised it. And so ultimately, ultimately, it doesn't matter what happens in the circumstances around us because we can celebrate, we can rejoice in this living Savior who lives inside us. And he's already won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Isn't that amazing? Now, you guys, some of you guys know I'm, I'm kind of a geek when it comes to the Greek words here. So we're going to learn a Greek word this morning. And when his word for rejoice is very interesting. It's this word, it's actually pronounced Cairo, kind of like the city. Cairo. Everybody say that with me. Cairo. Cairo. All right, so you know a Greek word. Cairo. It's this word. It comes from a root word, charis, which means gift. You might have heard the word charismatic, the gifts, right? Charis means gift. So Cairo, rejoicing, comes from the root word that means gift. We also get our, the root, this is the root of our word for Eucharist, which is the bread that we have during the Lord's Supper when we have communion together. Eucharist literally means good gift. So it's kind of cool how all that fits together. So when this guy Paul who is sitting in prison, he's sitting in prison, he says to people, rejoice. And again, I'm going to say it because I just can't help myself. Rejoice. He, it isn't some kind of forced, well, you know, you just got to grin and bear it because what else are you going to do? 
So just try to smile. No, 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 no. That's not Paul's attitude. He really means it. He is excited. He rejoices. So to rejoice, to Cairo, what it literally means is to be aware of the gift. When you become aware of the gift you've been given, the natural response is to rejoice. So he's telling us, be aware of the gift. Recognize God's favor that is right in front of your eyes and be overjoyed in that grace. So in a word, another way to say rejoice is to be thankful. Kids, say thankful. Thankful. What, What did we just celebrate? It was what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It's a time to be thankful. So to rejoice and be thankful, all that means is that your eyes are open to the gifts that God has put all around you, right? And that you don't let a problem or a circumstance get in the way of seeing the gifts that are there. It's a very, very much about perspective, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, So despite what's going on, the gifts of God's love, his favor, his mercy, his salvation is always present. And there for you. That's right. So all around us are God's gifts. Everything is the gift of life. I mean, the fact that we all got to wake up this morning, gift. The gift of breath, gift. The gift of his presence, God's presence that was here this morning. It's here right now with us when we worship him. Gift, 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 gift everywhere. And the response, according to Paul, the proper response for that is rejoicing. Now, this is totally different how most people in the world rejoice. Am I right? Most people, when you think about it, most people you know, that you know who maybe don't know Jesus, they, they, uh, for them, you can't rejoice or celebrate or party or something like that unless something's going great, unless everything's going right, right? If you've won the game, then, well, then you can rejoice. You can scream, right? Or you get a raise at work, then you can rejoice. That's, that's the way the world thinks. Um, or you partake of something chemically to give you a fake sense of that everything's going okay then you can rejoice, right? But the world doesn't understand this rejoicing even in the struggles. They don't, they don't get that. They don't understand. Because they'd have to pretend. They have to pretend that there's something to rejoice about, right? But for Christians, rejoicing is not some kind of fake happy. We're not rejoicing because we're trying to make ourselves fake happy. It's this wide-eyed awareness of gift, of the gift of God, that we have something real and genuine to celebrate. Amen? Amen. So Paul is saying, wake up, right? He's saying, wake up, open your eyes. Just see this gift that's right in front of you. Even even when things aren't going your way, rejoice. Even when you're facing something that you'd rather not face. And we all face those things, right? But even when that's going on, rejoice, right? Might put it this way. Read this quote for us, Miss Melissa. Rejoicing is the public declaration that God is up to something even in this. That's right. Even in this situation, even in this bad news, even in this deadline, even in this workload, even in this argument. If I trust him, I know he's up to something even in this. That's right. Hallelujah. So here's this man. He's on death row. He's in prison. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And, and we know, actually, what's going to happen to him not long after this. He wasn't really sure. He thought he could... He might get put to death, and we know that eventually does happen, but he is unstoppable. He just rejoices, and he says it again and again, because he's able to discern that God is up to something, even in this. Amen. So, 
Is it easy to be really, really thankful and happy when it's Christmas? <laughs> Can you think of a lot of reasons to be really excited? Sh shout out some reasons you're thankful on Christmas, kids. What are you thankful for? Food. Food. Toys. Toys. Jesus' birthday. You're my favorite, Ollie. Birthday. Birthday. You're my favorite, too. <laughs> Christmas every day. Well, this is a little something called a gratitude box. Hmm. Gratitude box. And it's an exercise in thankfulness. And we're going to do one together. And then I encourage you to do one at home with your kids. Or maybe you don't have kids at home. You can just do it for yourself. <laughs> in my gratitude box are things you would not associate with being thankful for. Hmm. But we're going to discover that there's ways to find depths of gratitude and what might be even considered trash to some people. The first thing I have in my gratitude box is an empty plastic container. Wow. Now, here's, here's the gratitude box game. We want to think of at least five reasons to be thankful for this empty plastic container. Now, <clears throat> the first thing I think of is that in this very container, you have one test, tell me. Mm-hmm, pass that up louder. Tess, that's my exact first example. There were Thanksgiving leftovers in this container that I enjoy the day after Thanksgiving, and I'm very thankful for that. That's a good one. Tanner, what you got? You can keep bugs in a container, but probably poke holes in it or something. Or if you want dead bugs, not as important. Um, yeah, that's a great one. You know, I bet every one of us has these, and aren't we thankful that we usually have more than enough food that we need containers to put our leftover food into, right? Man, I'm thankful for that. I, I'm thankful for the times that's... Cookies in it! My friend Stephanie Lindsay sometimes bring me chocolate chip cookies in a container. And it's a magical, magical thing. It's mm -hmm. so special. When I make dinner and I get to give food away to people that come over, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, you can put something in it. Barrettes. Mints. Breakfast. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for when I open the drawer and I can find a container and a lid that fits. Miracle. But I am thankful for Miracle. that. Now, granted... This is empty, but we come up with a lot to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's see what else is in here. Oh, this is a good one. Mm -hmm. I've got a, uh, I'm not even going to touch it, <laughs> a used coffee filter. Mm. Used coffee filter. Trash to most, but let's think of five reasons we could be thankful for a used coffee filter. Yes, yes. Oh, put the grounds in the vegetable garden. She said it does wonderful. What do you got, Peyton? You, you know what? Mmm, it still smells good. You're right about that. Back row. Biscuit buggy. Say it again. Presents. Always. 
It's always a good answer. I'll tell you what, we do have a friend that roasts the best coffee in the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's always a blessing to have this in Mm -hmm. here. I'm thankful for the coffee that I enjoyed using that. Yeah, I'm thankful for that. kept me going that day. Um, I have have really, uh, if anybody ever, if I touch them, you know my hands are really cold. My arms are so long, the blood gets to about right here and then just turns back around. Um, (laughs) I love love how warm, the warm cup, it makes, it warms my hands. I'm thankful we have a microwave to reheat a cup of coffee. Um, I'm I'm thankful I remembered to buy more filters before we ran out of these filters. Is there a lot to be thankful for in a coffee filter? Mm -hmm. It's just trash. There's a lot to be thankful for. I have one last thing in here. And we're going to show a picture of it. Um, because it's hard to see. I got a... This is Mason's dog-chewed shoe. Right here. Now, there could be a lot of reasons to be sad that a perfectly new pair of shoes got chewed up by a dog. But I'm going to tell you five reasons I'm thankful for this chewed-up shoe right here. Number one, I'm thankful that Mason had these shoes for several months before they were destroyed. (laughs) He enjoyed them. Number two, I'm thankful for my sweet mom and dad. They bought Mason this pair of shoes. That was so nice of them. They're good grandparents. I'm thankful that Mason was shoeless in the grass and having a good time. Mm -hmm. He he was not wearing the shoes at the time of this. uh, (laughs) No worries. Um, I'm thankful that we were all outside with friends that day. That was, that's good. Um, I'm thankful that Biscuit, the dog that tore these apart, is actually a very sweet dog. And while he loves shoes, he would never, ever chew on a child. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that when Mason saw his chewed up shoe, his eyes got about this big first. And then he started to giggle. He didn't cry or throw a fit. And you know why? Because I think deep down he knew he wasn't going to be shoeless forever. Mm-hmm. And here's what I want you to know. The container is not always going to be empty. You're not just always going to have a useless filter. And you're not always going to be shoeless. Because we serve a God who provides. And his gifts are everywhere. Amen. They're everywhere. So even in this... There's reasons to be thankful. Now, kids, in your little bag, did you see your little hand? Everybody, hold up your hand. You have five reasons to be thankful for everything. And that's your gratitude box game. That's your gratitude box game. No matter what's around you, you can, you can cultivate at least five reasons right. to be grateful and thankful. Even when things are empty and useless, there's five reasons there. It's a rule of five. That's our rule of five. So I always want you to do that, children and grown-ups. Look at the reasons. Look at the depth of gratitude there. And here's why. Some people, they see inconvenience. They see trash. They see frustration. Mm. They see stress. Has that ever been you? Mm. Yeah? It's been me. Some people see that. But frustration and anxiety and all of that... You know, those don't brew in reality, really. They brew in perspective. It's your perspective. Now, gratitude, being thankful, is a lot like this coffee filter. That's what it is. When you're you're grateful, everything gets filtered through that. And you can end up with a really bitter, weak cup of coffee or a really delicious, strong cup of coffee. It's up to you, 
right? How, how it does. But let me tell you, let, let me tell you a little secret. Whatever this is, sickness, homework, laundry, leaky roof, bills not paid, whatever it is, when you filter it through gratitude, mm. something really amazing happens. Because, I never want you to forget this, put that up for me, Scott. Here's what gratitude does. Gratitude is the guardian of your joy. Mm. Gratitude is the guardian of your joy. So here's what's happening. If you are feeling sad and depressed and stressed and anxious and worried and afraid, anything, you need, you need to beef up your guardian. Because your guardian is gratitude and thanksgiving. And when you start being thankful and giving thanksgiving, you know what increases? Oh, your joy increases. It increases and it changes everything. What does joy do? Joy strengthens you, mind, body, and spirit. Joy radiates hope. Joy elevates your faith. Is it good to have strong faith? Yeah, it elevates your faith. Oh, my faith feels so weak. Be thankful, you'll get joy, and then your faith will go through the roof. Amen. Joy pleases God. Yeah, you can, this, is, this, is, this is big stuff here. This is <laughs> life-changing stuff. Joy pleases God because joy is a fruit of his spirit. Joy is one of the fruits of his spirit. So when we're operating in thanksgiving, we've got that joy. So what's the key? What's the guardian of joy? It's our gratitude. So that's what the gratitude box is for, and that's what the rule of five is. And so I challenge you guys to practice that this week. Amen. 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 That's good. That's only one verse. We got to get going really fast here. On verse five, it says this. All right, read us verse five there. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Gentleness. Okay. Now, okay. Just real quickly, I want to comment on this verse. I have to admit, it sounds like a really weird thing to celebrate. Gentleness. Right. We don't usually hand out gentleness awards to people. Uh, you know, the most popular guys in the room usually don't go, man, those guys are so awesome. They are so gentle, <laughs> right? No. We don't usually say that because in our popular culture, what we celebrate is usually strength and aggression and standing up for your rights, right? You know, and winning, that sort of thing. But in reality, the, this word gentleness is actually the picture of ultimate strength, how cool is that? It's this picture. And again, here we go back to Greek class. It's this Greek word, epiakase, and it's this fascinating word. It's really hard to kind of pin down in English, actually, but it turns out it's the picture of somebody who understands justice and knows what's fair. They know what somebody des- deserves, but they choose to go the extra mile anyway. Wow. So it's someone who is aware of justice, but they choose to go the extra mile. They're generous in a situation that maybe they didn't really have to be. You know? So they, they actually meet people halfway when they don't have, to be, don't have to do that. They don't always insist on everything that they have coming. You might say uh, gentleness is the opposite of the person who's always screaming, not fair. Any, oh. any of us ever... Grown-ups, we're all the same, right? We, we all have that something rise up inside us, how that many, real sense of justice. How many of you in your homes would love to never hear the phrase, that's not fair ever again? I, yeah. if, if that could be deleted from the we, vocabulary. We have tried to ban it in the Hale House, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not fair. See, that's the opposite of gentleness. Because gentleness says, yeah, maybe that's not fair, 
but that's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender my rights in this situation yeah. so, because I can be thankful. A gratitude box exercise would be good in those moments. Exactly right. Dads. Exactly right. When you hear that's not fair. All right, let's cruise right along. Here we go. Number six, verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole wide Bible. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. Oh, man. What a promise. The, the, we, we could spend weeks on this verse, but we're going to spend about five or ten minutes on it instead. But I, if I asked uh, everybody today to make a list of things, instead of things you were thankful for, to make a list of things that you're anxious about, I think that would probably be an easy, easy list for most of us to make, wouldn't it? It's really easy for us to list things that we're anxious about, that are worrying us, that we're scared of. We live in a crazy world. I mean, that's just a given. And you know what? The Philippians lived in a crazy world, too. They would, they would have had the same fears that you have. Um, just because they were 2,000 years ago, they really weren't that different. They'd worry about the same things. They'd worry about providing for their families. They'd worry about making a living. They'd worry about finding safety and, a, and security you know, from the violent elements in their society, just like you know, all of us worry about. They would worry about their kids growing up in a pagan culture. Hello, right? So they would have the same worries that you have. They weren't so different from you and me. But what Paul wants to remind us, just as he reminded them, is that we don't always have control of our circumstances, right? Yeah. And that's terrifying for some people. Yeah. But that's the real world. The real world is that you don't have control of your circumstances all the time. But we still don't have to feel anxious. We still don't have to feel vulnerable to, you know, just the whims of fate. Because God is God of the universe. Yeah. And he's on our side. And the one who is ultimately in control has come to live inside us so we can fear not. Right. So, yeah, do you agree you can't control all your circumstances? Right? You, you, you cannot. But what you can control is your response. And let me explain the difference between a response and a reaction. Mm-hmm. A reaction is when something, uh, this can of soup drops on your toe. Mm-hmm. You react to that, right? You might give out a little ow, or a oh, or a dear Lord, or anything, right? That is a reaction. Now, most of us spend our lives in a reactive mode. We're not prepared for the circumstance of the situation. Here's what we know. The Bible says, right, things are going to happen. Don't let it take you by surprise. Life's not perfect, right? So prepare your response. Everyone say response. Response Response is premeditated. You decide right now, I'm going to respond in gratitude. I'm going to respond trusting the Lord no matter what because... You're only living in this part of the story, and God's playing a long game. So whatever this chapter is, is not the end of your story, and it's not, the end of, it's not even the end of the chapter, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to choose not to react, but to respond in, in the best way that he has. And so as a disciple of Jesus Christ, are we told just to sit passively and just you know, let whatever happen? Are we told to throw a fit? Are we told to cry if something's not fair? No, because all that does is just make you sad and tired. That's all that does. Mm -hmm. But as a disciple of Jesus, our response is this. It's prayer with thanksgiving. That's your response every time. Amen. Awesome.
So we come to him with uh, this word thanksgiving. Our prayer has to be with thanksgiving. Here again, uh, the Greek word here. Guess what the Greek word is for thanksgiving? Eucharistius, right? From Eucharist, right? We were just talking about that. Uh, As in gift. Again, so we've come back. See, all these words are related. They're actually related. Gift, rejoicing, thanksgiving. They all come back to the recognition of God's gift. That's the secret behind them all. That's what the kingdom of God's all about. So how does he say to pray? He says to pray with thanksgiving. That is very, very important. That's the key discipline that we have to learn to deal with anxiety. Okay? And I'm especially talking to the the grown-ups right now. There's something about forcing yourself to, to, just as Melissa did earlier, to re- rehearse and list the things that you're thankful for that puts those anxieties of life into their proper perspective, into balance. And so Paul paints this really beautiful picture here of what happens when our petition is brought to God with hearts of thanksgiving, and the result is peace. The result of when we do that is peace that can only be described as something totally supernatural, Right? It, in the Jewish sense, this is shalom. You talk, you hear about shalom. It's this wholeness, utter and complete, everything brought back together, undivided, yeah. undivided in our life. It doesn't make sense. It surpasses understanding. It trans- it's a peace that transcends understanding. In other, words, in other words, it's peace that has no logical reason for being there. So when you're going through that really horrible thing and you're like, I shouldn't be feeling this peaceful, I feel weird about that. <laughs> It's okay. It has no logical reason for being there because it's supernatural, right? You are in some, you're, you're experiencing something supernatural. And, and it's like, just like this relentless joy that we've been talking about can't be stopped by circumstances. This is a peace that is relentless. It's a peace that's not at the mercy of circumstances. So uh, it, it's, it's God's gift of peace inside you. But, okay, again, what's the secret ingredient to this peace? What's the part that we play in all of this? Gratitude, Right? Gratitude. We cannot be, listen, listen to this, we cannot be ungrateful people and just start claiming uh, Philippians 4.7 as our right. We can't be ungrateful people and just say, God, I claim Philippians 4.7, make me peaceful now. Right? See, first, we've got to be people of Philippians 4.6 before we can experience the promise. Philippians 4.7, the promise, that's right. We have to be people who approach the throne room of God with hearts of thanksgiving. He wants us to ask, he wants us to make petition and prayer, but we have to approach that throne room with thanksgiving every day, every day, not just the fourth Thursday of November, every day, thanksgiving. It says the peace, peace of God will guard your heart. You were talking about that yeah. too, that, that, garrison, that word in the Greek, it means a garrison. It's a military word in the Philippians. He, he writes, to, to garrison your heart, it'll protect you. This supernatural wall of protection of God encircles your heart and encircles your mind with this wall of peace. Amen? Who wouldn't want that? Hallelujah. So, but here's, here's the deal. That bubble of, of that peace that's allowed to be there, it's through that gratitude-filled prayer. Mm. That's how it happens. That's the access. So, right, in prayer, what is prayer? It's talking to God. Talking to God. Why are you talking to him? Because you trust him, right? It's trusting him more than yourself. Um, With every part of you, with every situation, talking to him and trusting him, that's the part that gives his peace supernatural permission to exist inside of you. 
right? Mm -hmm. You're giving that piece supernatural permission. It's a really special thing. Now, prayer is not a one-way conversation. It is a two-way conversation, right? So it's us talking to the Lord, and then we wait upon his response. And his response, have you ever heard him respond in your spirit? Scripture, a word, or most of the time, you pray, and then all of a sudden you wait, and, and you say amen, and you just wait in his presence, kids. You don't have to run off. That peace is what comes next. Peace is God's response to you when you trust him in prayer. Amen. That's awesome. And so, here we are at the end. As you and I learn to walk in this new mindset we've been talking about now for a couple of months, this new phronesis, this Christ-like pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting, the world might ask you, why aren't you freaking out about this? Everyone else is, why aren't you? And we can say, because I'm so thankful, I just got to rejoice. I got to rejoice and I got to say it again, rejoice, right? And see, we can use that as an opportunity. What Paul would do is he would then go the next step. He would use it as an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel of Christ. Yeah. See, we want to share with people. Why? Why do we have this reason to rejoice? We can share with people about the freedom that it brings and the peace that it brings and the joy it brings that is relentless joy. Because, hey, I'm here to tell you right now that this, this thing that you're going through, whatever it is, even this season of struggle that you might be going through, God is up to something even in yeah. this. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Even in this. We, we, we serve a faithful God not a faithless God. We, we serve a good God, a loving God, a God who wants you in your life to bring him glory. So, I mean, when we trust in that, doesn't that just melt the worries right away? Absolutely. The creator of the universe is in control. He's got it. Mm-hmm. Isn't it cool how God just worked it out? We, we get to go over this passage of Scripture right here at the weekend of Thanksgiving. I just think that's so beautiful. And so that's pretty perfect. I also think it's fitting that today, some of you might know, today marks the very first Sunday of the season of Advent. The season of Advent. Now, Advent's one of those things that might be sort of unfamiliar for some people. People are like, I've heard of that, but I don't really know what it is. Um, it tends to get crowded out nowadays between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, at the moment Thanksgiving's done, it's just all about Christmas, right? Um, but for hundreds of years, Christians have used these four weeks leading up to Christmas to, to, as a time to prepare our hearts. It's a time to kind of reflect on the coming of Christ, on the advent of Christ. Not just the first time he came, right, which is 2,000 years ago, the world was holding its breath, waiting for the coming of Christ. Well, we're doing the same thing because we're waiting for the second coming of Christ, right? So advent is a great way we get to join with our brothers and sisters from 2,000 years ago in the waiting for the coming of Christ. Um, so while Christmas, Advent's a little different. While Christmas is truly a celebration, right? Christmas is awesome. It's a celebration. Advent is more about preparation. Advent's more preparation. It's, it's a great time for you and your family to get together and talk about what it means that Christ came for us 2,000 years ago and that he's coming again. It's a great opportunity to talk about what that means for us, that he is coming again. There is hope in that, right? This is not the end of the story. The end of the story isn't even the presence that we get on Christmas. There's, there is a Christmas day coming. We cannot even imagine. Amen? And that is what Advent's all about. It, it's, well, when Mel and I first started our, our little family, um, we, we really wanted to away to instill the meaning of Christmas into our, into our children. 
you know, because for many kids, you know, we're, we're all the same. We were the same way when we were kids. For many kids, uh, all that matters over the next four weeks is making sure everything you want is on that Christmas list, right? <laughs> that list of Santa. And for many adults, the, the goal of the next four weeks is getting through the crazy chaos of Christmas, the Christmas season, right? The crowds at the mall or stressing about the lack of, of money in the bank account or we get, you ever get that paranoid feeling like everyone else is enjoying Christmas more than you are? right? So there must be something wrong with you. But see, that shouldn't be. Christmas ought to be a time of gratitude. It ought to be a time of complete gratitude, not stress. So maybe for you, it's up to you, maybe for you slowing down a little bit this season and celebrating Advent with your family might be a way to reorient your heart, reorient your your mind over what this is really all about. It's a great way to say no to the pressure that the world wants to put on you to get all stressed out and materialistic and over busy. And a great way to do that is to find a really wonderful Advent calendar. Um, Ours has little books that tell Mm -hmm. a little bit of the story every single day and he reads it to the boys. Mm -hmm. Maybe find it or get one with chocolate and read the story yourself. It's up to you. (laughs) But uh, that helps do that. There you go. Yeah, the kids look forward to that. Uh, every, Every evening of Advent for bedtime, we do that. But however you want to celebrate, that's all up to you. That's all up to you. Make the decision. Here's what I challenge you to do. However you do it, make the decision this Christmas season. Why not just make it different than you've ever done before and choose to stop occasionally in the midst of all the insanity. Stop and praise God for his presence. Praise him for his gifts that are surrounding us every single day. Praise him for the gift of himself and be thankful. Stop every day and just say, today I'm going to be thankful and stressed out. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I invite you in the next coming weeks to learn to be thankful. Learn to rejoice in that relentless joy. Rejoice, and I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Amen. Amen. Hey, you kids, y'all have been great this morning. I want to give y'all a big hand. Y'all have been so good. Y'all are awesome. This has been so much fun. I want to thank Melissa so much, this fount of wisdom that I get to live with. Isn't that amazing? Uh, She's beautiful and smart. Um, Praise God. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward now, and uh, we're going to pray for you. As our prayer partners come, if we could just bow our heads right now. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for your gifts, which are never-ending. We can't count all the gifts that you give to us, Father God, that you've surrounded us with, Father. And we thank you most of all, number one, for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us hope. We thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you that you have already determined that all of our tomorrows are taken care of, that our future is bright, and that our end is one of victory. We thank you for that. We praise you. I thank you for every family in this room today, Lord God. I thank you that your hand is on their homes. We anoint their homes in the Holy Spirit. And by the, in the name of Jesus, Father God, I thank you, Father God, that their homes will be filled with the spirit of peace throughout this season, Father God. Spirit of peace, not stress. And we thank you, Father God, that you keep our minds on you, focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, guys. Now, if you need any prayer for anything, come forward and let these awesome prayer warriors pray with you because it's not the same when you pray. Amen. 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 Go forth. Have an incredible week, and we will see you later. Bye-bye.